Good morning and a happy new year. Um, just realized that the Koreans also celebrate the Lunar New Year. And we have a couple of Korean families with us. How do you say uh, the first two words? Happy New Year in Korean. Say hey, bok mani badus seyo. Ah, okay, thank you. <clears throat> and the money is full, right? Money, does money mean full? What? No? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm not going to go into the speculation. But some of you may know that actually Korean has words in common with Hokkien. Yeah? A student is Hakseng. Pastor, Moksa. Moksu. Then pray is Kiro. Kito. Why Korean and Japanese have words in common with Hokkien? That one history lesson. But no time today. Let's pray. <clears throat> and now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's title is Rooster in the Order of Service, but actually it's about famous rooster. Now, it seems to me that the Chinese zodiac has a slight male bias. Now, most of the animals I know are gender neutral, like rat, horse. But I was born in 1955, so goat or ram? Huh? Goat or ram? Goat, ah? Goat? Anybody born in the year of the goat? Are you goat or ram? A female must be goat. Lah. Okay, some say goat, some say ram, most say goat. How about this year? Chicken or rooster? Are you sure? Rooster. See, I told you there was a male bias. All the ladies born in this year, you are male chickens. Oh boy. You will pay for that loud laughter, whoever did that. Okay, I won't identify, but then your days are numbered, my friend. Now, the further, further irony is that this year is the what rooster? Which element? Fire rooster. That's turkey, right? <laughs> Correct? In Chinese? Huoti is turkey. Okay, so those born in this year, so sorry. You are special. You are born in the year of the turkey. Or roast chicken, whichever you decide. So anyway, okay, that's the introduction. <clears throat> this sermon has two points, a major point and a minor point. So let's start with the major point. Which is the world's most famous rooster? Don't say Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't think they use roosters. Which is the world's most famous rooster? Um, by the way, in the Bible, did you know that the rooster only appears twice? In the Old Testament, as far as I know, Proverbs 30, 31, it says something like, uh, a strutting rooster has a stately stride. You don't believe me, you can read it. <clears throat> Second, in the New Testament, there's the rooster that crowed after Peter betrayed Jesus. I think that's the world's most famous rooster. All Christians know about it, 
And since there are over 1 billion Christians in the world, he should be the world's most famous rooster. Um, so here's the major rooster point. The first rooster lesson. Now, we all know the story, but still something that we may not have noticed. After Jesus is arrested, Luke 22.54 records this. Luke, Luke writes, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. I didn't use the cock or the rooster crowing at the end of Peter's betrayal because everybody knows that. But you may not have noticed that after the arrest of Jesus, all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, all say Peter then followed at a distance. And actually this is a very polite translation. The New Testament word makrosen actually means from far away, a long way off from makros, which is far. So actually, Peter's betrayal is not just the denials before the rooster crows. It begins much earlier when he follows at a distance from afar off, a long way away. You see, a disciple in the New Testament, Mathetes, means one who follows a teacher or teachings. Now, of course, there are many ways to follow. Some follow closely, some follow moderately, others loosely, still others uh, from a distance. This is a real-life example from Reader's Digest many years ago. A guy called Wise, not a bad name, uh, says this, and I quote, Our minister captured the undivided attention of the congregation when he related the following incident. This is what the pastor said. I stopped in a coffee shop the other day and sat at a counter next to a man reading the newspaper. He glanced at my apparel and then wanted to know where my church was. When I pointed out in the direction of the Methodist church at the corner, he said, why, that's the church I go to myself. And I replied, isn't that strange? I've been preaching there for five years and I don't believe I've ever seen you. To which he shot back, come now, preacher. I didn't say I was a fanatic. So, if you attend church every Sunday, you're a fanatic. Nah? Okay? If you're normal, then you don't attend five years. According to this guy. Now, interesting way of defining fanatic, I think. But we come, even if we come to church, and we say, you know, I come to church every Sunday. Attendance does not equate to Proximity. Not even involvement. Just because we come to church, we attend church regularly and we get involved, doesn't mean we follow Christ closely. I think many of us would be, in our honest moment, be ready to admit that there are some areas in our lives where we follow Christ at a distance. So the warning from the rooster is that this may ultimately lead to betrayal. Like Peter followed at the distance before he betrayed Christ. So it's better to follow closely. So our prayer should be that famous prayer of Richard, Bishop of Chichester. And this is that famous prayer, in case you didn't know. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, 
for all the benefits thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults thou hast borne for me. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. And some of us know that this was actually turned into a popular song day by day uh, in the Broadway musical Godspell. Anyone old enough to remember Godspell? Don't bluff. Okay, never mind. Go to YouTube. You can get to hear the song. Uh, maybe we should all pray this together uh, as part of our New Year or Lunar New Year dedication. Let's pray together. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults thou hast borne for me. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly. Okay, so that's the end of the major part. Not very long. Huh? I, I'm, not, I'm not intending to preach too long today because I know you're all raring to go out to visit. Um, so now the minor point. My mother, she's 86, and she keeps telling us, so she has repeated this story quite a few times, uh, about when she was a teenager, about 14 years old, this is more than 70 years ago, World War II, Singapore, how uh, very early one morning, while it was still dark, her mother, my maternal grandmother, or in Peranakan Macho, told her to slaughter, kill a duck, which was going to be cooked later that day. Um, so, dutifully, my mom got the duck, uh, plucked the feathers from the neck to prepare the... Okay? And she... The duck. You know what I mean by the duck, right? Don't have to explain in words, as prescribed. But the duck didn't die. So, can you try imagine this? Instead, this headless duck... or Duck, with a fountain of blood spurting from its severed neck, started chasing her. That's what she says. Even as she ran or tried to run away from it. Just try to imagine what's happening, right? Blood spurting headless duck in the dark, chasing a terrified young lady. My mom said she was so terrified she actually fainted, which is fainted. But can you blame her? Hmm? Of course, the duck died eventually lah, and was cooked. It got its just desserts. Let me ask a question. Can a chicken live without its head? Live. I want to introduce you now to what should be the second most famous chicken in the world, or rooster. You can look it up on Wikipedia. It's also verified by BBC. <coughs> His name? Mike the Headless Duck. Ah, chicken. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm so influenced by my mother. When there's headless, I think of duck. Can see the head also? Mm. You want to know the story? Okay, yeah? you can look it up. I'm reading from Wikipedia. Uh, Mike the Headless Chicken, April 20th, 1945 to March 17, 1947. That's 18 months in case you want to calculate. 
this chicken lived for 18 months after its head, his head, had been cut off. Although the story was thought by many to be a hoax, the bird's owner took him to the University of Utah in Salt Lake City to establish the facts. You can also watch this on YouTube. Um, September 10, 1945, farmer Lloyd Olson of Colorado, the U.S., was planning to eat supper with his mother-in-law. Maybe that's the key, I don't know. And was sent out to the yard by his wife to bring back a chicken. So Olson chose a five-and-a-half-month cockerel, which is a young rooster named Mike. The axe removed the bulk of the head but missed the jugular vein, leaving one ear and most of the brain stem intact. And due to Olson's failed attempt to behead Mike, Mike was still able to balance on a perch walk clumsily. He attempted to preen, peck for food, and crow, though with limited success, because his crowing instead consisted of a gurgling sound made with his throat. When Mike did not die, Olsen instead decided to care for the bird. He fed it a mixture of milk and water via or via an eyedropper and gave it small grains of corn. So, um, 18 months before Mike died, and after Mike died, they had a post-mortem. It was determined that the axe had missed the jugular vein. A clot had prevented Mike from bleeding to death. Uh, although most of his head was severed, most of his brain stem and one ear were left to his uh, one ear were left on his body. Since basic functions, breathing, heart rate, etc., as well as most of the chicken's reflex actions were controlled by the brain stem, Mike was able to remain quite healthy. I know some of you are already googling. I hope that just confirms that I'm telling the truth. So this is not one of those Trump people call alternative facts. <clears throat> this is not fake news. This is the real McCoy. Um, oh, by the way, you want to know that Mike was put on display to the public who paid 25 cents to see him. And he earned, as far as I know, at least or around uh, $4,500. $4, That's nearly $50,000 today's money. And Mike the Headless Rooster lived 18 months without its head. What's the point of this chicken story? Question. Can Christians live without their heads? Can a church live without its head? And... Fortunately or otherwise, the answer for both is yes. And for much longer than 18 months. How can this happen? Well, number one, for Christians, it is by not using our minds. You know that slogan, just believe la or just believe law. No need to think, just have faith. Or, in other words, an over-dependence on emotions. Remember, the Bible says that we are to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. The following is supposed to be a true story also. There was this surgeon and his intern, they were rushing to the hospital lift, and just as they got to it, the doors, the lift doors started to close. So that's when the surgeon, instead of sticking out his hands, 
to keep the doors open, he stuck his head between the doors instead. So the intern rightfully said, don't you think that sticking your head between the doors is an odd way of keeping them from closing? Surgeon replied, not at all. I need my hands to operate. <laughs> so beware of surgeons. Next time you've got surgery, you ask the surgeon, what do you need to operate? Your hands only or your head also? It seems to me that some surgeons uh, think that they only need their hands, not their heads, to operate. In the same way, the church, so um, the church, the body of Christ, can it act without its head? Okay, who's the head of the church? Jesus, right? The body of Christ. Christ is the head of the church's body. How many times Christians and churches have forgotten this? 2,000 years of church history has shown time and again that church acts without Jesus as the head, or as if Jesus is not the head. The most glaring example, of course, is the Crusades. Um, second example could be uh, the slavery in the U.S. or America that led to the Civil War. Many of slave owners were, or claimed to be, Christian. And not a few were Methodists. It was not that long ago either, by the way. My pastor, when I was at Asbury Theological Cemetery, Seminary, (coughs) that's called a Freudian skit. From 1980 to 82, Dr. David Siemens once said to me as I was speaking to him, Oh yeah, my grandfather owned slaves. And he was an entirely sanctified Methodist. But of course it was U.S. at that time. So we don't, we don't, we aren't too judgmental, but it is evidence of church acting without head to me. Also could be when the church is more humanist and man-centered or people-centered, then it is Christ-centered as it should be. It also lives without its head. The list goes on. <coughs> and finally, although this is maybe a sensitive subject, the church lives without its head when it idolizes and reveres its leader or leaders too much. It's quite prevalent in the church today, but it's not new. Stories told how a famous UK church, 100 or so years ago, um, very famous preacher, and every Sunday hundreds of people would come to hear him preach. One Sunday it so happened, the announcement came that this person is not able to preach today. A very deep, loud groan spread throughout the congregation, and some even started to leave to express their disappointment. So a leader came up to the pulpit and said, those of you who came to hear name preach, you are free to leave. Those of us who came to worship God, please stay. Maybe that's another example of a church living without its head. Um, Mike Fellower in his book, Exposing Spiritual Abuse, gives the example of a U.S. church where a couple who were members decided to go for a family holiday with their children. They bought the airline tickets, finalized the plans. They're looking forward to this much-needed time break. But when the pastor 
discovered their plans, he rebuked them for not getting his permission. Um, beforehand, and he warned them not to go. But they went anyway. When they came back, they were visited by some of the church leadership. They were informed that by doing what they did, they were actually in rebellion. And they had to be punished. So, um, no one in the church was allowed to speak to them or any interaction with them for a specified uh, time or period specified by the pastor. Even the kids were not allowed to play and interact with other kids from the church. Now, safe to say that this is a church that lives, as it were, without its head. <clears throat> its true head. And hopefully, this kind of thing could, should, never would happen in a Singapore church, especially the Methodist church. So, well, that's it. The major and minor point from the rooster. Seems to me these lessons must call us to repentance and a review of our own discipleship. Are we following Christ at a distance? Be careful. This might slide into betrayal in the end. So better decide to follow Christ as Richard prayed closely. Are we as Christians trying to live without our minds, the head? Are we following Christ mindlessly? Or do we love God with our minds as well? And as a church, what we do, does it show that Jesus is the head of the church? Or does it show the opposite? So, in this year, the final thing we need to note is that whether it's rooster or goat or rat, rhinoceros, hippopotamus or elephant, I know the last three are not in the zodiac, it is always what in my time uh, called Anno Domini. Anno Domini means, well, actually, literally the year of our Lord, but used as in the year of the Lord. Anno Domini. They've changed that, you know. We are no longer uh, AD, we are BCE. But never mind. When I grew up, it was AD, before Christ. There's nothing for during Christ. <laughs> but now it's Anno Domini. It is always, no matter what sign you are, have or under, is always the year of the Lord. And we should determine to live it as such. Let us pray. <coughs> Dear God, our Father, we ask that you forgive us when we, like Peter, uh, in different parts of our lives, follow you only at a distance, or actually just a very, very far away. We pray that you will help us see the danger so that we might not slip to a point of betrayal. We also pray that you will help us to truly love you with heart, soul, mind and strength. Forgive the church when it has acted without its true head, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Forgive us when we do things as if um, we are mindless or we ignore the headship of Christ. So grant us, O Lord, true repentance and true renewal so that every year for us might truly be Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.